Welcome, everybody. Welcome back, or welcome to new coming listeners to the Disco Posse Podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host, and we've got a great show that if you don't find this inspirational, well, maybe you don't have a soul. I don't know, but this is actually really a fun conversation, and uh, it, it truly was something we get to dive into some very interesting areas with Tony Martinetti. Uh, he's the founder of Inspired Purpose Coaching. We'll get into that in a second, but of course, I got to remind you that the thing that makes this podcast possible is amazing friends, uh, community supporters, and sponsors. And so I do have to give a shout out. I don't have to. I choose to. And first of all, big friends over at Veeam Software. If you have anything that's data-related, P.S. you all have data-related stuff out there, then you need to protect that, right? So how do you make sure that you've got everything you need for your data protection needs? That's easy. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. You can check out all the great stuff they've got at Veeam Software, including cloud data protection, on-premises virtualization data protection, physical servers, SaaS backups, even stuff like Office 365, Microsoft Teams. Oh, and cloud-native goodness. That's right. Head on over. They've got some neat stuff with Kasten. And there's more coming. So just keep your eyes on that. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. I just got a real cool landing spot there. So go check it out. And secondarily, speaking of protection, what about protecting your traffic, protecting your data, protecting your identity? Best way to do that is make sure that you don't log on to gnarly, dirty Wi-Fis. And even if you have to, you can get away without having to be exposed by using ExpressVPN. So if you want to check that out and you want to make sure that privacy is the human right that it should be, then go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash Disco Posse. You can get set up. I'm a fan. I'm a user just because I travel around a lot and I don't trust other people's networks. Nobody should. So there you go. And one more thing, because while you're doing that, speaking of where you would find Wi-Fis, well, you don't need to go to a Starbucks to get a Wi-Fi because you can get the best coffee you ever needed at home by going to diabolicalcoffee.com. Devilishly good. And they have the most diabolically awesome swag. I know, because I wear it. Oh, that's right. I'm actually the co-creator of the content and the co-founder of Diabolical Coffee. So there you go. Full disclosure. All right, let's jump in. This is Tony Martinetti. He's the founder of Inspired Purpose Coaching. He's the chief inspiration officer. He's a coach. He's an author. Just a great person. So enjoy this. It's a great show. This is Tony Martinetti, and I'm here on the Disco Posse podcast. My favorite thing to do, Tony, is to invite professionals on of all backgrounds. You have many backgrounds. You are coach, author, professional. You've got an incredible background as far as how you came to coaching and also a podcaster. So uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, for folks that are maybe brand new to you that haven't figured out how awesome they're about to find out you are, <laughs> if you want to give a quick bio, Tony, and we'll talk sure. about Inspired Purpose Coaching, and we'll, we're going to cover a lot of ground because you've really got uh, an, an interesting background that I want to delve into. But thank you. So there's a lot of pressure there. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll keep it quick, but uh, I would say right now what I'm doing is I'm working you know, to guide accomplished leaders 
who are feeling unfulfilled or stuck in their current path to really overcome that and find what's next on the horizon for them. Um, and there are leaders who are either in startups or who are in transition or who are in the corporate world and they they want to stay in their job, but they just want to find that reconnection to what really lights them up. Um, and how I got into this, I came from a background in biotech um, where I spent um, 25 years really in high tech, then biotech um, in the finance and strategy uh, capacity. So, And the thing about what you've done is you've covered a lot of, you know, really, really core stuff that folks sometimes don't even realize they need, especially, if, you know, founders, there are different phases of the growth of the organization. It's very easy to get lost in the lack of purpose or sort of lose sight of how to map the vision and the purpose to the day-to-day -day activities as they grow the team, as they start to change the way they operate as, a, as an organization. And so this is why I thought this is ideal because I talk to people all the time. You know, I feel like one of those weird like Twitterati uh, startup people who just says like I've interviewed over two hundred you know uh, startup founders and these are the lessons that I've literally mm -hmm. listened to over two hundred startup founders and you know it's it's fun because what you see is you start to see the commonalities, yeah, but they don't see it because you're. When you're in the the throes of it as a founder, as a creator, as a president, as a even just a team leader, you really, really can't look outside of yourself sometimes. So, um, Tony, you, you, how did you get into the business, and or sorry, when did you understand that coaching was something that you really were passionate about? Yeah. So first of all, I just want to make a, a, you know, I love the way you described what you just said, and then I'll tell my story, because there's something about that, that oftentimes we don't, you know, recognize those things about ourselves, um, that other people have the same struggles, that other people have those same, you know, um, issues and concerns um, until we start having those conversations. And that's why my my tagline, if you will, is, you know, inspiration through honest conversations. And it starts with having conversations with ourselves, which is a good lead into what got me into coaching in the first place. So I had a moment in my life, well, two moments that are that really stand out. One of them was um, where I was, you know, uh, moving down this path of, you know, creating the the career that I wanted, or at least I thought I wanted, and I kept on working really hard to move towards the C-suite in the corporate um, world. And as I did that, I had this like singular focus saying, this is what I'm going to do, keep on moving forward, do whatever it takes to make that happen. And I did it to the detriment of everything else in my life. Um, and it led me down this path of burnout and depression, really. Um, and you know, what it, What I discovered is that I wasn't being myself. I wasn't doing this for the right reasons. Um, I, on the outside, people saw this person who was like making it happen and, you know, successful for the most part. And for them, I always put on a happy face, um, even despite all the inside turmoil that I was going through. I, I was able to overcome this. Um, there was a lot of inside pain, darkness that I dealt with that 
I was able to flip um, through many different vehicles. Therapy, meditation was actually a huge help. Um, an unhealthy amount of self-help books, I'll put it that way. And uh, <laughs> I think we all, uh, we, uh, un that's unfortunately both, you know, comically true and a little bit frightening that that's that phrase in itself is something we, I think, all uh, fall victim to. Yeah. And then uh, and then basically, and it's funny about that because, you know, you have to integrate what works for you. And that's one of the things that I, I've you know, people often ask me this, I get all this advice from different places and what's right for me. Well, like, well, what, what is right for you? You got to figure out what works for you, try different things and, and then really see what fits you personally. Um, but anyways, I, di I digress. Um, after really coming through that dark period, I was still in the industry. And then, you know, I continued to feel better, continue to see more clarity. And then I had this moment where I was sitting in a boardroom um, of a biotech company and, you know, still in my finance strategy role that I was um, holding. And I realized that I had to stop what I was doing. I was not doing the work that I was meant to be doing. I was collecting a paycheck, healthy paycheck, and I was not really loving the fact that I was doing this. Um, I actually saw leadership that wasn't really connected with inspiring people and moving people forward. It was more about self-preservation and you know, stroking their own egos, if you will. And I realized that moment, I said, I got to stop this. I need to change the way people show up as leaders and I got to do what's right for me. And so I decided to leave the room. I walked out and I said to myself, my first honest conversation with myself that moment was in order for me to change this room, I have to leave this room. And I did. Wow. And that was the moment that was scary because I had no plan. I didn't know coaching was the vehicle or a vehicle to make that happen, um, but it was. And that's what really happened. As I started to unwind that moment, it was the vehicle that started to really get me to think deeper about who I am and what are the gifts that I had to offer to people who wanted to go deeper and have those conversations and find out what it is that um, will allow them to have a deeper impact on other people as leaders. Sorry for the long no, no, answer, but you asked. It, this is really, this is perfect. And, you know, I'm, people should dig in for a moment on this. Like we often hear, you know, when we talk about business growth and the sort of, there's the pivot and we, we fail sometimes to understand that there's a personal pivot moment and it is, often unexpected, frightening, and it has to be sudden. You know, it, it is something that on the other side of it, you're, you're sort of forced to rethink and go right back to first principles of forget about how I got here, like an Etch-a-Sketch almost just like, okay, it begins now. Yeah. And it's, if we all look back, you know, they may not be as sort of dramatic and, and, you know, they may actually be, but they may not feel like that. You've, you've highlighted a very specific and inspiring story of this like moment, you know? And like I said, you, you walked into that room having no idea that halfway through this sort of thought process, you're going to be like, I have to leave. And yeah. it, it's amazing now to see that well-deserved 
you know, years later now on the other side of this, Tony, that it's it's come to allow you to do what you've empowered yourself to do. Yeah. It's almost like we have to give permission to ourselves yeah. to escape, right? How, but how hard is it for us to do? Like human nature is to just keep pushing. Hmm. How do we, like, why is that? You know, it, I mean, is it, is it born into us that we've just been, or is it, is it sort of nature versus nurture that we, we really have trouble seeing the opportunity to just stop and restart? Mm. Well, I love that you say, well, permission is such a, a powerful word, but it is that it's, and I think part of the whole thing that I realize, and I'm eternally grateful to this one quote to really kind of unlocking a lot of the, the journey for me is, um, you know, comes from Peter Bregman, who's a, you know, another coach who I really uh, respect and honor. He talks about emotional courage. And I think emotional courage is the word that really comes to mind when I think of what we need in those moments to take that leap forward. And then this quote is, if you're willing to feel everything, you can have anything. And that's really what it was all about, was really kind of we hold ourselves back from feeling things because we're afraid of them. And when we're willing to be open to feeling all the feelings that are out there, having that courage to experience emotions and not just stuff them down, um, then what happens is we actually live a more full life. And I thought about this just to kind of take the slightly um, bigger picture is that I often wanted to run away from my past. Like I didn't think like, okay, now that I'm moving to this new world, you know, shake the Etch-A-Sketch and like start from a clean slate. But in fact, it's not quite like that. You have to embrace and deal with the past um, and, and really kind of embrace that, integrate it into your future so that it becomes a strength for you to move forward with. How important is this idea of, you know, being able to know that you've, you sort of have to sort of embrace change, scarce, you know, opportunity, but choice. Mm. And also being able to weigh it against I'll say plan B, right? You often hear this when we talk about yeah. uh, amazing creators and founders and and folks that that make big changes in their life that some of the greater minds often say like, I had no plan B because if I had one, I wouldn't have gone with plan A. But for most of us who aren't Elon Musk and you know those type, like super type A personalities, I mean, I, personally, I could say this from experience, right? I, I, I make a lot of changes because I know in the end that I could literally go back to the thing that I did. I could cut lawns. I could fix shoes. I could get into retail. If it all comes down to it, I'll do anything to support my family. And I know I can do a lot of these things. So it gives me a bit of freedom to walk a slightly different path in a few different areas. Mm-hmm. But I'm, so I have to sort of keep that in mind. Like I never want to, but I know that like it's a bit of a, a safety net, I suppose. And it's not a really good safety net, truthfully. Like you don't want to have to go do that. But 
for me, my choice is that I can make bold changes because I know when it all comes down, I can do that. But for most people, I'm just curious, Tony, as you coach them towards a moment, embracing change, taking, you know, this sort of that sort of the release of control is the capture of control, which is always a funny thing for people to understand. Yes. I love that you say that. <laughs> I, what, how often and how important is it that they understand that there is a backup plan, but don't lean on it too hard kind of thing. Mm. I love that you bring this up because there's something about this that I've been um, talking about for years, even well before I became a coach, I was talking about this book called the startup of you, which is um, was um, authored by the founders of, um, of LinkedIn. And they, you know, they talk about this concept of your plan A, plan B, and your plan Z. And I, you know, I think this whole concept is so important because we're always having to think a few steps ahead because the world is evolving. We're evolving. We're always, things are always changing. So you can't get too comfortable with the world as it is. Um, so you have to be thinking a few steps ahead. We are startups. We are companies that are constantly having to change and think, what's next? What's next for me? What happens if the ground underneath me shifts? If I'm not ready for the next shift, how can I be prepared for that? And I, I, I love this idea of, you know, constantly thinking about, you know, why define myself as where I am right now? Um, for many years, let's be honest, I define myself in a box of I'm a finance person. Um, I'm the finance guy. Uh, literally, I've said that many times. And when people yeah. said to me, oh, you're not the typical finance person. There's something about you that's very different. I would tell them, that's great, but this is how I get paid. And so therefore, I would ignore the clues, put myself back in the box and continue on. So I think we need to start thinking about ourselves as being a very dynamic and very um, open and full of possibilities. We're not boxes. And so that that pivot of having that, you know, a focus, having that plan, but also being open to the possibilities of could be next for me because I am limitless. I am not in a box and I can't let the world define me. I have to allow myself to be free to explore other areas that could unfold. Now, you know, there's a lot of scariness to that and not all the pivots are going to work out, but that's exactly why you have to constantly be thinking, what else? What else could be possible? But if we look at, you know, we, we often hear from people who describe themselves as serial entrepreneurs, I would actually say that every entrepreneur is serial in their attempts. You very rarely see the the you know the hours the attempts the changes like most people i talk to who are in their 40s and they were founding another company you know and you realize it's their third one and maybe they didn't all go well but then it even goes further back to they were they they started a lemonade stand they started doing garage sales as a teenager just to you know they're <clears throat> the the mindset is kind of there and their willingness to continue to attempt is really what gets them that's culture of experimentation gets them to the point where they understand that yeah it won't always work like you described right and 
And, yeah. and I think the hardest part for, for me is, you know, unlocking people who sort of got pushed into those roles. They may have it. Like a lot of us have this, not everybody, not everybody needs to be the super, you know, type A, or I, I say I'm type A minus, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the type A, but I like to, I like to lead, but I don't want to be fully responsible for it. It's not my, not my game, but yeah. there's a lot of, you know, people that are sort of, we call it rank and file, which is such an awful phrase, right? Yeah. But there's lots of people that are in there that when given practice and time, they find their opportunity, they find their voice, their raison d'etre, the thing that they're like, I actually can, you know, inspire a team or, or lead a group or do something, right? It's, it's, it's really interesting to see as people have to evolve and, and discover that. Well, I wanted to uh, connect with that for a moment because there's something about that that I think is so interesting. There's this idea that everyone has something inside of them that's dying to get out. And it's not to say that every person is going to be, you know, uh, you know, rocketing a ship to space. Um, you know, that's not everyone's calling. But um, the idea is to not leave anything in the tank and to not, you know, Dot to, to die empty. I know that seems very dire, but to, the idea is to basically not leave your song unsung. And so if that song that you're waiting to sing is something that means, you know, a, it's not quite as as grand as flying a rocket to sh to uh, to space, that's OK. But if it's just means like going a little bit further than where you are right now, then that's great. And I don't I want to make sure that those people who are who in that space who are just holding themselves back because they feel like I can't do that. I'm not, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm capable of. Then I want to stop them and say, you're capable of whatever you want to create. Yes. Yeah, uh, this thing of yeah. it, it's, it's about being better than yesterday is one of my favorite <laughs> descriptions of it. It's what's the 1% change we can make today that is incremental you know, and as we do that, it becomes effectively like a compound interest. If we continue to look for small opportunities, next, you know, you feel, again, the strength of the base, as well as the comfort to experiment a little further. And it starts with like getting a taste. And I'd say also, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Tony, is adversity. Like sometimes it's it's actually quite important that we we trip. Mm. That we discover a little bit of challenge because often if you go ahead you know like that was it and look i know this is a total lie but we always love to say it it's like a team that goes all the way to the super bowl with nothing but wins will lose the super bowl and it'll be horrifying like they almost have to lose along the way to be ready to be hungry and to like not want that they want to they want to hate losing more than they want winning and mm. as humans i think we'd Maybe not quite that extreme, but I think we do need to like navigate a little bit of negativity to understand that we can get through it. Yeah, I think it, 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 there's something about, I would say, 90, well, maybe 85 to 90 percent of us love the underdog because of that. We yeah. love to have that connection because we all feel that way. We all feel like we're the underdogs who have to go through all the trials and tribulations 
to then feel like, wow, like we've overcome that adversary, adversity, adversary, adversity, um, to get to that place where we can now feel the taste of victory. Well, and all this has really got me thinking, you know, so I'm not sure if if I told you, so I have this book called climbing the right, the, the right mountain. Um, and, um, the book is really about, you know, people trying to connect with the right path for them. And oftentimes we get so hung up on what the definition of success is that is imposed upon us, that we should want something, that we should, you know, drive down this path. The reality is the right mountain is the one that is not always going to be the easy path. It's going to be full of adversity. It's going to be full of struggle. It's going to be full of growth. But the reality is, is how we feel about it. It's how we connect to that struggle. And the reason, you know, that we should be feeling a sense of fulfillment and happiness along that path, not waiting till the end and feeling like, oh, I can't wait till I'm, you know, at that place. Because, you know, when I'm there, then this will be all worth it. Because guess what? It may not be. <laughs> That's right. Well, and quite often it's a there's an off ramp along the way that we actually find is the right one, and and it's good to have this, you know, these, these large, you know, goals where we aim towards a thing, but you know, and even look, startups find this all the time, right? Where they realize the thing that they're actually good at is not the thing they thought they were going to be good at. Exactly, and. And in listening and in pausing to understand where your current like measuring of success is, that allows you to say, okay, I'm kind of 80% here and 20% over here, but the vision statement says I'm supposed to be over here. Well, maybe we need to just adjust. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, this has been coming up a lot for me lately, but um, hearing this, the sentiment that your customers will tell you what, who you are. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, at first glance, you're like, what does that mean? But the reality <laughs> is it's true. They define like what it is that you really do. Um, if you start to go out there and say, this is what I do for the people who are around me, ultimately, you know, you're not quite understanding how people see you. You have to let people see you, see how they, how you impact them. Um, whatever it is, your product, your service, whatever it is, until they have experience with what you do and they tell you, this is what I get from you. Yeah, the idea of sort of like mushing your customer's face into your plan of how they're supposed to use your product or service, it, it, it's, it, sometimes it feels that way because we often get told, right, we're sort of Steve Jobs was famous for this thing of people don't know what they want until you show it to them. But at the same time, you know, he, he, that was a big visionary thing, but when it came down to it, then they began to measure feedback and understand you can't just keep going out there saying you're wrong. We're right. (laughs) And keep listening to us because they'll stop listening. (laughs) They'll stop buying. We all renew, you know, two thousand dollar phones every two years. He was actually right, but he was right at the beginning, and then we were right for the rest of time together because they listened and they were guided by, you know, where they could be successful. It's, you know, it's 
it's important, you know, same as, you know, like mountain climbing, racing, anything you do, you have to partly look at where others may have, have tread. You have to look at something that looks a little insurmountable and then find that interesting combination. And the best thing to do is, yeah, to look to somebody who says, if I show you this, you know, what do you see when you see mm. this? How do you use this? And I, especially product managers, fall victim to this all the time. You're like, no, 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 that's not what we built it for. And then you almost want to tell them, like, I actually think that they've discovered what you really built it for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it, it reminds me of the, and I'm no marketing expert or anything, like, but I do, I do love the, uh, the marketing concept. I just wrote a newsletter that's going out shortly about marketing myopia um, and just kind of, re, you know, uh, kind of re, rethinking it and how interesting it is that that concept of, you know, what, what you think your industry is and what really the industry is. You have to be very careful about, you know, defining who it is you are. Um, and what work you do, um, because ultimately it might be something else. And it made me think of this, um, one of my, my favorite concepts in coaching that um, I, I'll say I coined it, I guess, but it's, it's just something that I say. I say to my clients that like, you know, expand your vision, narrow your focus. Um, oftentimes we're staring at a wall and we think like, okay, I don't see a path forward. Or I don't think about a way to move forward in my business or in the way in my life. So what I'll do is I'll tell them like, well, maybe you need to step away from what you're doing, expand your vision, see bigger, see new possibilities. And once you do that, then you can see some new action ways to move forward. Focus on those, narrow it down. Don't try to be doing too much. And then once you do that, you can, you know, execute effectively. Yeah, I think that that there's definitely as a as a sudden, you know, uh, discoverer of photography techniques because I've been mucking around with new camera stuff uh, for the first time in my life. It, it is very true of like even the way that we physically view things and because our mind interprets it this way. There's a reason why the background behind me is gently blurred because of the focal length of the lens. And the there's a variety of things that every photographer would be horrified if I tried to say what it is. But I just know that I can set a, a, an incredibly wide shot and change the focal length so that only what I want you to focus on is truly in perfect focus. And this is the way our mind interprets it. That's why photos are done this way, why video work is done this way. We can move the way that you are and thinking just by simply changing the focal length. And it happens in life too, right? If we look around physically in the world, there's a trillion objects that we take in. Like your yeah. mind is visibly seeing one trillion things, but you can't, I mean, if even if you just try and count, you, you'd come to a hundred pretty quickly and then you'd run out of things to talk about. And it happens in your project plan in your business plan in your life plan that if we like you said if you tr you know look around and try to do everything and yeah, what do they say if you if you try to do everything then you'll do nothing or whatever try to yes. be everything and you'll be nothing it's it's so easy to get wrapped and i i fall victim to it all the time i and i i every once in a while i have what i call it to-do list bankruptcy i just like okay that's it Whoosh. I just scrub it down. I don't even look at what it was. I just basically tape it shut 
delete every task and say, okay, what do I actually need to get done today? What are the three things that I can do today that will have mm -hmm. a meaningful impact and reset? Mm -hmm. but, and that's why I want to talk to you, uh, Tony, because I know you're, you've been doing this for a long time. You're seeing people. This is not a one-time thing, right? Like even folks that are successful still can fall victim. They can still struggle. They still hit points where they need to be sort of reinvigorated and, and re-coached, you know, and revisited. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious how, you know, it, it's hard for us. We think that you're just going to buy a book and it's all right, that's it for the rest of my life. The book saved me. I'm done. <laughs> yes. I love it. So one of the things that I was thinking about too, and you were saying about your to-do list, I was thinking about the Etch-a-Sketch again. I just want to like put everything in Etch-a-Sketch. Everything should be like that. Um, you know, because that way you have the chance to just kind of shake it up and then start anew. Um, so we'll do that from our to-do list going forward. I think um, I, the only problem I've got is that uh, depending on the age of our listeners, I may have just shed half the people that are like, what the heck is an etch sketch? I don't know if they still have I me mean, like, I, I, etch sketches are still a thing, but they were when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were a big deal. Um, but anyways, so, so yeah, I love that you bring this up because I often say that there's a paradox in productivity. And um, one of the things that um, that in this I'll get back to, like, you know, why people need to be coached on an ongoing basis is that um, this one concept is something I want to share is it's this element of the, the paradox of productivity, which is that structure creates freedom. And when you were talking about to do lists, it made me think of this is that you need to create some structure around your life to allow yourself to be able to create the space to create your life, which is weird. I think about it this way. If you just show up to your day, if you show up to your life, you know, your, you know, your week and you just say, okay, whatever shows, shows up my inbox is going to be the thing that, that I'm going to react to. Um, it becomes really draining because what happens is you're just in reactionary mode the entire time. Um, what I've come to see, and it's a lot of things that I work with my people on is that is creating that, you know, the time boxing and the, you know, themes for days that really allow them to see that this is a day that is for me to be back in place, to get back on my schedule, to get back in the place where I can create what's important to me, to focus on the things that are important to me. And so, and when I respect those time blocks, then what happens is it allows me to move forward in the things that are most important to me. Um, so that structure that you can put in place, it actually allows you to move forward faster and, and more effectively. So I just wanted to bring that up because it was something that you were talking about to do list. I'm like, yes, that's something that, you know, people always think, oh my gosh, like I don't have the time. And I'm like, well, it's just how you're managing your time, how you're managing energy. Right. It's so important. Um, but back to the, you know, this whole idea of, you know, coaching and when people really need, to, I mean, there is no. Uh, one size fits all. I try to treat every person who comes to my door. We've all got our own unique ways of being leaders, being, and we're all leaders in our own way. We have to tap into what we need in this moment and how to lead forward in our own unique way. And we have to continue to, to tweak it and fine tune it and um, have a tune up diagnostic from time to time. And so I think that's important is that when you find yourself off the rails, come back to 
what what's what's not right right now where am i not aligned with who i want to be in this moment and what are the things that i need to do to really get back on track to what i want to be doing so that pause moment starts with the pause as always um is is the most important thing you can do because oftentimes it's easy for us to get trapped into this okay i was told to do this and i'm doing this and now it's not serving me any longer what's wrong yeah this is the the other thing too is we look for uh you know somebody who has walked the path before us ultimately to help us towards this path like it's, it's one of the greatest guides right if you look at you know successful entrepreneurs successful product builders successful athletes they they use inspiration from folks that have generally sort of led before but then of course the coaching as a practice doesn't necessarily need you to same as therapy right therapy is a yeah. is a process it's a methodology that you know requires obviously human understanding and, and empathy and a lot of other things but also even the way that we need to continually recheck and revisit mm -hmm. and you know also coaches need coaches and therapists yes. need therapists so you know tony i'm curious what's your process of setting your own bar because you're you're in the business of helping people to set their bar to climb the right mountain how do you sort of take time and and recheck on on where you are in in your goal structure and your your life yeah so i'm glad i'm so glad you bring this up because you know the answers are not you know lying inside of me all the time i i have to constantly be thinking like what's next for me like what do, what do i need right now to move forward um and i have coaches i have my my own guides often the things that i'm helping people through are the very things that I struggle with too. And it's because of the fact that I struggle with them that I have developed some of the tools. I have a lot of the thought process around them because I spend a lot of time living in it. Um, and that's what makes it powerful because I'm not just sitting here and saying, okay, you know, try this. Oh, maybe this will work. Oh, that might work. <laughs> you know, I'm giving them some things that I've, you know, I've actually tried out and maybe even experimented with on my own so that I can tell them like this, this might work for you, but you know, it's, it's all going to try, you got to try things out. Um, but back to your point, I mean, it doesn't mean that I was a, a marathon runner and I can't train a marathon, you know, I can't train a marathon runner, you know, um, it's all about creating the space for people to explore deeper and build that trust with the person around you. And, I think that's what's so important about the coaching engagement. People have to understand that it's about having deeper conversations and having a thought partner who's willing to allow you to experience that experience. Um, it's not quite as simple as a conversation with a friend. It's a lot more than that. Um, it requires a bit more of a a skill to be able to see through people and to be able to uncover and even challenge people through that conversation. Um, but it doesn't necessarily require that I've walked the same path that that person's been down. Yeah, and I guess this is what, I mean, we talk about therapy and coaching and mentoring. It's not about telling somebody what to do. It's about asking them 
the right questions to guide them towards what they actually need to do. Yeah. And it's hard for us because especially when you go there, the first thing you want, if you go on to go to a therapist, you're like, my life's a mess. I hate myself. What do I do, doc? You know, and it's like, well, they're not going to say, well, you know what you need to do, right? There's, there's a, <laughs> a, a funny comic, which is a kind of kind of horrible. I mean, I got a bad sense of humor for this. It was called Mr. Boffo. And it's this guy. He's this crazy sense of humor. And he's, he's, he's a guy talking to his therapist. He says, doc, you know, my friends all think I'm crazy. And the, of course, the doctor says, well, why don't you kill them? You know, like this, this is what goes through the mind of somebody who's absolutely lost everything. And it's so like we just expect sometimes that I'm going to go to you and I'm going to Tony, I need to, I've got a meeting in an hour. I need to know what to do right now. And like, that's not your, that's not what coaching is for. Coaching is meant to light your guiding lights to focus mm. you on it to help you discover it but it's frustrating sometimes because we the same reason why the self-help book section is larger than the fiction section although some may say they're both the same yeah. <laughs> we mm. we just want we want to open a book and have 220 pages be the answer in fact if anything based on social media and 140 character lifestyle, we want it to be 11 pages long. And it just, tell me the answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, that's um, some of the, the most challenging uh, conversations I've had have been with my coaches who have challenged me by asking simple questions that then stick with me for like days on end. And I'm just like, ah, you know, why did you ask that question? Or why did they ask this question? Because I just want it to be easy. And that's the question that I that I get the most. What if it was easy? What would it what would it look like if it was easy? That question is one that sticks with you for a while because you're like, well, of course I want it to be easy. But that question holds a lot of a lot of clues. Because sometimes we do make it harder than it is. We make it complicated sometimes. Yeah. Right. Well, this is the then the other thing which it's it's there's only so much you can you can give somebody as far as guidance they ultimately have to take the step they have to walk the path they have to do yeah. the thing it's even look if you scroll through social media if you look on commercials and advertisements and do you see i mean i'm in i do coaching and mentoring i do a bunch of things i help people to you know build you know websites i do podcast coaching all this crazy stuff and in the end, you carry them to a point. You walk beside them. You know, sometimes you feel like you're pulling them. That's how it starts off. And then you're walking beside them. And then you're maybe sort of gently walking behind them, giving a little bit of nudge. And then at some point, you step back and they're actually on their own and they don't know it. It's almost like training wheels for the process. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, they still have to take the steps and do the things. Like this is why, you know, forget about get rich quick, but all these books you read about how do you you know make money online it's like okay great it's a three-year plan <laughs> like, like hold, hold on a second i don't even know that i can get through this week but mm -hmm. that's it's it's not wrong most people won't walk it right this is why coaching is important but it also you have to be careful that you don't think the coaching is the answer it, it has to be found in yourself yeah yeah, I love that you bring this up because there's an element of there's no fast passes in life. I mean, there's there's elements of listening to other people's stories and allowing them uh, taking in the lessons and 
you know, hearing um, their trials and tribulations as ways to help you along your path. That's great. And I think that's where the gifts and the, the tools come from. But there's no fast pass. You can't you can't get past the element of like, you know, going from zero to 100 in one day. And that's why when we look, we talked about social media earlier briefly, but this is what we, we often look at everyone else's middle and we're comparing to our beginning. And I think that's where people get so frustrated because it's like, why can't I be like them? Like I'm doing everything that they're doing. And, you know, why am I not, you know, getting what they, what they're getting? Well, because we haven't looked at their journey to getting what they've gotten to. And they're not just starting out. They've actually yeah. done a lot of the work to get to where they're getting to. And so patience and persistence, there's those are the things that we really need to to really appreciate um, yeah. along that journey and continuing to try new paths, try different things. Um, you know, you can't just continue to bang your head against the same wall and expect different results. Um, so that's part of what, you know, really helps you to kind of explore new ground. Um, when I thought about, you know, coaching my coaching business or, or any business for that matter, it, you know, there's many waves that you're trying to catch, right? And you're trying to think about what is, which wave is the right one for me? Well, the only way you're going to figure that out is by taking many waves and seeing which ones are bust and which ones are, you know, are going to be great. And they're going to be the ones that are going to really take you to shore. So just get out surfing. Yeah, and so that's an interesting one too because I often the unplanned isn't really as unplanned as it seems sometimes because even if it's just the that you've readied yourself for the process of something new, you know. And podcasting is a great example, right? You've been podcasting now for two years. You've got fantastic guests on your show. Uh, one that I really enjoyed actually as well, especially was a uh, uh, was the one that talked about burnout uh, and this idea of negative behavior patterns that you had with Janice mm -hmm. Litvin. And it was one that stood out because I'm, you know, it's something I've been struggling with a little bit lately and it's very easy to do. You can ride the high and then the moment something goes wrong, you're like, Oh, of course you're worthless. You know, like, it's just very easy. Just like, oh. <laughs> you guys, like, how does that happen? I, I can help somebody's life out. I could do something amazing. And then I walk into the kitchen. I said, I shouldn't put this cup on this plate because it may fall. And it does. And I say, of course it did. You know, like mm. I get angry that I didn't listen to myself. But, you know, the reason why I pull on the podcast is it's a labor of love. It's a yeah. thing that you know you're going to have to put commitment and time into. And when you start it, you've kind of sort of got I'll say a dotted line plan like a a, a, a hopeful idea of of just like I'm going to make this a thing but it's very hard to really plan something like that and it's very as I find with most people they make it to about episode 10 and then the wheels come off the bus because they kind of run out of quick topics that fit in you know finding people to, to speak with finding their own voice and how to have the conversation but this whole thing of, you know, like this long path, your own journey, right? So you, you now, if you're, <clears throat> I would say a very successful podcast because I love the style of your discussions. But when you started, did you, did you have that plan and how much of it just sort of formulated as you knew it needed to just by trying it out? Well, 
I'll just say that, you know, I didn't know what I was doing when I started out. And I just kind of like was winging it and um, I'm very nervous at the beginning. So if I were to go back to some of the earlier episodes, I, I probably would cringe a little bit. Um, but I always tell people start at, start at episode 50. That's where like things, I figured it out by then. <laughs> you feel yeah. bad for the first 50 guests because you're like, I don't think I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Yeah, but I think, you know, one of the things I realized is that I, I went into it with this expectation that like, what do I have to, what am I doing this for? What is the reason why I want to do this? And it really came down to just, you know, I wasn't in it for, you know, oh, I'm going to get many as many likes as possible. I'm going to try and get as many, you know, I just started to see these humans who had these amazing stories and I wanted to be a champion for them. And um, if I serve that person in front of me as a champion of them and I give them the space to share their stories, um, it made me feel as though I was doing my job. And then as I started to kind of see that come to life, it started to become something that I could just show up every day and find the energy to do the thing that I was doing. I didn't even I kind of put myself like in the background of the whole situation and everyone who came on the show and I don't mean to like, you know, be like patting my back stuff on the back, but they would always say like, there's something about this show that, um, that has made it special for me. Like I've explored areas of my life that I never thought I would. And I've been on a thousand podcasts before and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Like I'm just showing up and being me and, you know, and you're being you. And that's, that's, I think what I, all I ask for is that we be real and share from the heart and I think the the great thing about it is that I continue to do it because of the fact that um, it inspires me. And that's one of my my favorite um, sayings is that, you know, look for signs of what what what, you know, look for signs of what lights you up and do more of that. And this is one of those things where, like, if it didn't light me up, I wouldn't be doing it. Right. But it truly lights me up to see people's stories unfold and then to see the impact that it has on other people. I mean, I have people email me and say that that podcast episode was something that really touched my soul and now gives me some energy to move forward in my life. That's, that's gold. It, and and uh, of course we'll have links. It's, it's the virtual campfire, which is a really, really fantastic show. So we'll make sure that we point people towards it because they, they should put it in there. It's always a neat thing where at, at first you look for the, the guests, you know, or the story, you know, quite often you find the podcast, you're like, let me give this a whirl. And then you try a couple of episodes and then you dig into the archives and you look for a specific guest or a story that may be impactful. And then at some point, one of my favorite things that I love hearing people say is that like, I picked something that I didn't think I would have any interest in, in your guest list. And that's where I really had fun because they, mm -hmm. at some point, that's the process that's in play is that, like you said, it's everybody's got a story. And when you can help yeah. them to, air it out what i'm always amazed by too is you 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 i call it the back half of the podcast my favorite part because i do a lot of folks that like like hey let's let's talk about our company or or our product mm. or whatever and i'm i'm all well and good i love i love letting people do that with breathing space which is why i do a longer form mm. i don't want it to be like 20 minutes then try and have like the last four minutes be so tony let's talk about you like no i 
I want the back 40 minutes to be about you because you run out of talking points at about half an hour. That's generally what everybody bumps into. They're like, oh, so you ask a question and it's like, now it's them. You're really exploring a, a human story, mm. even though it's you know wrapped around them coming to you as a, as a company founder or a product owner or, or yeah. develop whatever it is, a coach. I've got amazing people. But you, you like, you just get right to really, really very nicely unlocking people's freedom of expression yeah. and them being comfortable in, in, in sharing their story right out of the gate, which is nice. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's just, it's great to, to have that. This is fuel for the journey, if you will. Yeah. So, thanks. Well, and this is, again, when you start to look now, looking back and everybody in life should look at this at some point, you start to find the connective tissue that this wasn't actually some non sequitur thing that you did. It ultimately, it gave you, as you said, fuel for the fire. You, when, you know, I do this because I'm like, I'm in product marketing, technical marketing in, in founder, like in the startup advisory, I discuss with founders. So effectively every discussion I have, makes me and my clients stronger, my peers stronger, because we look and said like, oh, yeah, I shared this great conversation the other day. And it it, yeah. it continues to light my fire every time you have one of these discussions. And then the side effect is that, you know, it just everything comes together in the end. So five years later, what I find is that when I look back over anybody's life, you know, like, that little hobby they did wasn't a side hobby they just wanted to try. It actually very much shows you what what is their thing, right? What is their their particular you know, right mountain that they're after? But it's mm. it's hard to find it until it's kind of occurred, and then you realize like, oh, you, so you, you tell me you like running, and I'm like, but you maybe you're not running, you know? And I've a friend of mine, I apologize, I'm, I'm long point here, but anyways, the, somebody told me one time, they're like, I love writing. Like, oh, that's awesome. You know, what kind of writing do you do? Well, I was really good in university. Like, cool. Uh, in, but like, do you write, you're looking like, you know, fiction, nonfiction, technical writing, whatever, like this, like, obviously writing's fantastic. There's so many avenues you can do it. I was like, do you have a blog? Do you have anything? Like, no, no, but I was really good at writing. And after many, many discussions, they finally realized that, like, I was just told I was really good at writing. And so I hung on to it. But I actually don't like writing. Like, they were good at it. But I'm like, if, you, if you're 10 years later and you haven't written a thing, I think you don't like writing. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, the funny thing, and I'll just kind of like to add to, the, to that, it's like there's something about that. that sometimes people get afraid of being judged. And so uh, even though they say that, you know, I was really good at writing or maybe they were they had a passion for it, but they're afraid of not being good. And so it's right. sometimes they have to give themselves the space to like to like practice in private and just play around, like use it as a playground and then see what see what transpires, because I think there's something about that that allows you to, you know, to to not be judged by other people, allow yourself to have fun with it. And then maybe someday it becomes something. Right. 
Yeah, this is the uh, friend of mine. He was in a successful, you know, what should I say successful in that it, he paid his bills, you know, as a musician, as a guitarist. And he said he would tour around North America. And he says the amazing thing is you'd play in these clubs and somebody would come up and he was a fantastic guitarist. Like just sort of like very, very uh, sort of Eddie Van Halen-ish like type of level of capability. And people would come up, they're like, oh my God, John, you're fantastic. We're, we're, I'm having a party over at my place with a bunch of my friends after I would, if you guys want to come and hang out and it's like, he's like, you get all these funny invitations. Cause you're in this like little weird town. He's like, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the, to the, you know, the comfort inn where you're staying with your bands. He's like, let's all go over to this place. And they'd be like doctors, lawyers. And then they'd be like, come check out. This is my studio. Or like, this is my guitar. And they'd see like a wall of guitars and these amazing players but that's not their thing, you know? So you'd say like, how can you be a doctor and be so good at this thing? And you're like, that's actually their thing. Hmm. They use it as their real distraction. And sometimes it works out well that a distraction, you know, a passion can become a, a job or, or like what, what keeps you going day to day. But he said it was amazing to see these people that on first brush you think, there's, how could they possibly be this incredible musician or author or photographer? But like, we don't, we don't get a chance to give ourselves the belief that people can be something that we don't expect them to be, yeah. which is weird, right? Exactly. I love that. I love seeing that. Like, I love being surprised by people, you know? And that's the thing is that we sometimes need to surprise ourselves about what is possible for ourselves because we don't give ourselves enough latitude to try things out and, and, uh, and see what's, you know, what's out there for us. So. When someone comes to you, Tony, and I, I'm curious if this happens much, but they, they often come to you with their belief in what their problem is. Like sometimes we already sort of fabricate what we believe the real problem is, mm -hmm. but you have to sort of help them to understand that it's actually just a symptom of the real underlying problem. Yeah, how, how does that, how often is it really the case like that? And, and how do you help them to really get to the root of, of what's going on? Yeah, I would say that um, eight times out of 10, um, that's the case, is that there really is a surface level problem that they're coming to me with. And when we have those conversations, we can dig deeper. And the ones who do, those are the ones I, I most enjoy um, you know, playing with. And I, of course, I would not name names, but um, I think they know who they are. Um, the people who really have that underlying issue um, and you get to explore deep inside with them and see that there's something deep down dying to come out. Um, that's where you really find a client who's, who's looking to do something big in the world. Um, I think I'm wired for people who, who want to have an impact in the world and who want to have a legacy that they can be proud of but they're not so maniacally focused on one thing that they're kind of open and they see themselves as this person who can do many things. They see possibilities, but they don't always show up in that way. Initially, they sometimes have to be like coaxed out of that place. Um, but the biggest challenge for me and the kind of clients who really don't resonate me as, mu as much are the ones who are just, 
okay, you know, what's next? What are we going to do now? Like, <laughs> we sit there in silence, and I'm, I'm having to, like, really push and push and push and push. And I have to impress upon them. I'm like, hey, I can sit here in silence, too. And we can we can have a moment of silence. And silence is a very powerful tool for getting people to, to see that um, there's more to be said. Yeah, there is one. Uh, the silence is one of my favorite parts because when you learn to enjoy it, it there's a surprise on the other side of it almost always. I had one. I did a really long form discussions with a few founders, and and uh, just for lack of time, I didn't keep the series going. But it was like three hours, and really going through mm -hmm. like the same sort of set of questions. And it was amazing talking with somebody and, and it was before I did the visual side of it as well. So I'm, I'm seeing a zoom window and it's like somebody's pacing around and, mm -hmm. and I said, like, what's the, what's the hardest thing you've had to face, you know, as a founder that no one could understand, but they've, they've got to realize that they have to be ready to, un, to experience it. And he, he literally was like, it felt like 30 seconds. It was probably 15, which is an eternity when you're in yeah. a conversation. But it's very easy for us to go like, as an example, like in like you, you want to then feed the thing and I could have guided him, but I just, I just let it go. Yeah. And it's, it's, he just like, you could see him. He's like looking down and like, you know, furled his brow and like almost as if like, is it okay to say this? And he said, I, I don't think that I've got enough funding to get through the next 30 days. And I think we may have to shut down if we can't do something. He's, and he's like, I was like, and I just like kept, I was like, I'm just going to let this air out. And he says, I've actually got a call with an investor right after this. And, and, you know, and, and I, I don't know that we're going to make it through this. And just giving him the freedom to just be comfortable in being scared was mm -hmm. amazing. Now, luckily, on the other side of it, he actually was successful. He's, he's a, uh, it was a bootstrapped company. They've got a, got a customer. But it's like that, that moment, if I had just sort of like filled him with an idea that I thought would be compelling, it wouldn't really give him the chance to unpack. And, and it made such a beautiful story you know, to hear it in real life instead of so easy for us to just want to fill air. Yeah. I love how you share this because it's exactly coming back to what we said earlier about emotional courage is that courage to be able to, to admit the things that are really happening deep down that we mostly are not um, at liberty to say. And oftentimes like think about it from the perspective of the corporate world, you could say like, oh, we have peer groups, you know, CEOs have peer groups and, you know, C-level people have peer groups out there. But even in those groups, it's hard to admit when you have a, um, a flaw or something that's going on for you that's real. You don't want to be seen as weak. You don't want to be seen as somebody who's not making it the cut. What if they get you get kicked out of the group? Right. You know, theoretically, I'm just, you know, um, jokingly saying that but it's true i mean there's an element of you know sure you're my peer but i don't feel comfortable sharing my deep dark secrets with you and so uh, a coach 
or, you know, a trusted advisor can be somebody who says, look, I'm not going to judge you for this. Let's get this out. So you can feel like at least it's a release valve of sharing what's deep down so that it becomes real. And then you can move forward from here. Yeah, there's a, you know, athletes bump into this. There's that moment where they're just, they don't know that they're going to make it. And there's something they're able to often self-discover only from practice of yeah. reaching that moment, having a coach carry them through that moment that they, when facing it alone, have been given the tools and the understanding that they know they can get through it. And that's really what a lot of this is. And that's why I love, like I said, when they see somebody like Tony as inspiring as you that can do this, this is about it furnishing you with the understanding that you can do it. And a book doesn't do that. A book doesn't ask the questions that then gives the air gap to let the answer come to the surface slowly. Mm -hmm. The book is meant to be a fast read, carefully edited, like, yeah. What that's why I really love, like I said, your your podcast is great because it really and truly explores the emotion of the discussion instead of the like the beauty of the story of the written word is that it's it's artful. You know, when I see great editors, they create great content. There's nothing wrong with a fantastic book. But when there's the nuance of the pauses and the discussion and the change in the vocal patterns, and you really know that somebody's like this is meaningful, but there's, yeah. what, you know, it's cool. Well, I, I wanted to, to add one more point there just to say that, like, one of the things I've come to discover, and first of all, I was an artist as a child, and um, I've reconnected with um, this, you know, the arts a lot lately. Um, and one of the things that I've come to see is that conversations are, are a piece of art. The work we do as coaches, as podcasters, it's, it's an art when you create a conversation that really connects two human beings in a conversation that goes so deep that it actually uncovers these beautiful ideas and concepts and feelings and emotions. It's like, I see that as a piece of art. It is. It is. One, I tell you, then the one thing that I'm looking forward in is a strange little thing that I love I miss, I don't miss traveling for business, that's for sure. But I, what I do miss was the being in the travel process in an airport. And I would sit often with headphones in, but nothing, no music on, just mostly just be like, I'm in do not disturb mode. <laughs> but to watch the crowd, watch the, these little things go on around you. And you find these moments that are occurring in real time all over. Sort of people watching is such an exciting thing. And now we have to go out of our way to see that, right? Like you have to purposefully set an appointment to be able mm -hmm. to see somebody. Yeah. You know, and as we close up, and and I know we're getting close to to the end of our time here today, Tony, but when you went through the last couple of years, you know, and seeing the shift, you know, have you, how have you been able to help people to 
remember that, that like, we will get back to that, like to allow them to just experience it, not schedule it in because we won't schedule it in. We won't, right. It's very hard for us to say like, I need to set an appointment to, you know, to do a thing. It, it organically occurred. And then we said, okay, now I need help with it. Now we feel like we need to schedule everything. So, you know, how can we, what advice would you give for folks now to like, be free to experience and to explore. Yeah. Oh, I love that, this question because there's an element of this, which says that like, first of all, don't like be so held back by the, um, the anxiety that you're having because you'll have anxiety. And I've had a few people who've gone back to the office and have told me like, I I've gone in and I've felt like, Oh my gosh, like, what do I do now? Well, the first thing to do is be compassionate with yourself. Take it slow. Don't freak out and you know kind of immerse yourself immediately into this into the space of being with people so have some compassion allow yourself to integrate but when you do allow yourself to just take a moment and breathe it in um slowly take a slow breath like a meditation conversations can be like a meditation when you bring it in and allow it to like wash over you because this is a gift when we get back together, it's a gift to be able to be in the presence of the people. It's what we are meant to do as human beings is to be in person with other people. We didn't have Zoom back in you know, the early days. We had campfires. We had campfires. We were told stories around campfires. So let's go back to the way we used to be as humans and just have conversations in person. But just be compassionate to yourself. Take it easy slow in slowly ease yourself in and allow for yourself to take it all in like a breath amazing tony martinetti thank you very much it's been a real pleasure uh so for folks who want to find out more as they should uh you can go to inspiredpurposecoach.com i'll have links in the show notes as well check out the virtual campfire podcast which is a real, a real much a must listen, a great exploration of human stories through conversation. And uh, I'm happy to have been able to share a conversation uh, time with you, Tony. I feel, I feel better now than this. My favorite thing is that at the end of it, it's like, I feel inspired to do something. You don't even need to know what it is, yeah. but you know that you care more about doing something than you did an hour ago. And that's a pretty fantastic feeling to be able to have. I feel the same way. So I'm um, thank you. Um, I can't thank you enough for having me on the show, Eric. This has been so much fun. Uh, uh, and amazing. if people want to connect with you, Tony, what's the best way to be able to reach out? Well, the best place is to go to my website, inspiredpurposecoach.com. And the other places you can find me on social media, LinkedIn is probably the go-to spot. Um, and then also grab my book on Amazon, uh, Climbing the Right Mountain. That's it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you.